Good morning. I'd like to invite you to join me in turning to the book of Zechariah. Let me help you find it. Zechariah is a letter of prophecy in the Old Testament. It is the second to last book in the Old Testament. So if you simply turn to Matthew and then go left, you'll find Malachi and then Zechariah. We'll spend the next 14 weeks in this letter of prophecy where we will encounter a series of visions and oracles sent by the Lord through His prophet Zechariah to the people of that day and to the people of this day. But Before the, the visions and the oracles, we get to Zechariah's opening message, the foundational call to return. As I read this passage, I want to encourage you to listen for this call. And as you listen for the call, I want you to pay attention, taking notice to who this message is addressed and where and to whom the people are to return. Would you bow with me? Let us ask the Lord's blessing on the reading and preaching of His Word. Father, as we come to this text, I ask that You would give us the blessing of understanding. Would You give us the blessing of conviction? Would You give us the blessing of encouragement in Christ? That we might heed the call to return. Through this we pray. In the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Friends, this is the inerrant and infallible Word of God. In the eighth month, in the second year of Darius, the Word of the Lord came to the prophet Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, son of Iddo, saying, The Lord was very angry with your fathers, and therefore say to them, Thus declares the Lord of hosts, Return to me, says the Lord of hosts, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. Do not be like your fathers, to whom the former prophets cried out, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Return from your evil ways and from your evil deeds. But they did not hear or pay attention to me, declares the Lord. Your fathers, where are they? And the prophets, do they live forever? But my words and my statutes, which I commanded my servants, the prophets, did they not overtake your fathers? So they repented and said, as the Lord, has pur- the Lord of hosts purposed to deal with us for our ways and deeds, so has he dealt with us. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. So have you ever played the game of chicken? As a kid, I remember we used to play chicken riding bikes. Two of us riding bikes towards one another, waiting to see who might be the first one to turn. Looking back, it's actually kind of a dumb game. But as adults, we still play it. 
We're not riding bikes towards one another, but whether it be a negotiation, whether it be a relationship, we wait to see who's going to blink first. We wait to see who's going to turn first. And why do we do that? Because we've concocted in our minds some vision of this game that if we win, then we dominate, and if we lose, we must submit. Does it sound familiar to you at all? Each week when I open a text, I I read the text and, and I begin to ask questions of it. And I will confess that one of the first questions I asked as I read verse 3 where we read uh, from the Lord of hosts, return to me and I will return to you. I began to ask myself, what's going on here? Is, is the Lord playing chicken with His people? Is He saying, you do your part and if you do your part, I'll do mine? That's what's going on in this text, in this call to return. It's a question, but then the next question must be, why is that question on my heart? And maybe why is it on yours? Well, let's dig into this text and try and process this together. What do you say? As we go here... um, I think it is helpful for us to spend a little bit of time setting the background for Zechariah to help us understand the, the, the Old Testament background first and foremost to see where we are in this book. I don't want to assume uh, a Bible knowledge, so, so let's, let's start at the beginning. The whole of the Bible is one long, continuous story of God gathering for Himself a covenant people. It begins at the very beginning and then and it starts to take a little uh, more shape through Abraham. As God is gathering for Himself a people working through a family. And then that family goes to Egypt and, and grows but becomes enslaved. Yet God redeemed His people from slavery in Egypt through the Exodus and in doing so took this covenant people from a family to a nation, the nation of Israel. Now in time, the the nation of Israel asked the Lord for a king so that they might be like the other nations. And the Lord gave them a king. The first king was Saul. Saul started out well, but Saul was an unrepentant sinner. He was a bad king, a harbinger of things to come. After Saul... God gave David a sinner, yet a repentant sinner. He was a good king. After David was David's son Solomon, somewhat of a mixed bag. And after Solomon, we have Solomon's son Rehoboam. And at that time, the nation of Israel divided in two. A northern kingdom, Israel, and a southern kingdom, Judah. We think of Israel as the people of God, but after the the divided kingdom, the people of God would be more rightly considered the southern kingdom of Judah. The northern kingdom was a story of one bad king after the northern king of Israel, kingdom of Israel was the story of one bad king after another. The southern kingdom, Judah, mostly bad, but some good. And so as we read the Old Testament, the the historical accounts are the stories of these kings, the the prophetic books are the 
Stories of the Lord sending prophets to those kings with one message. And that message was this. Turn from your idolatry and return to me. But the people resisted. And in the year 722, the Lord brought judgment on the northern kingdom of Israel through the Assyrians destroying the nation. The nation of of Israel was never restored. And so when we read the New Testament about the Samaritans, the Samaritans are the result of the intermarriages between the northern kingdom of Israel and the Assyrians. Now we said the southern kingdom, Judah, had some good kings. And as a result of them having some good kings, they held out a little longer. But finally... In 586, they received their judgment at the hand of the Babylonians. The city was ransacked, the temple destroyed, and most of the people were taken into exile in Babylon. Again, this message throughout the Old Testament was from the Lord to return to Him, but the people failed to heed this call and judgment came. Yet the Lord had made a promise to be their God and they would be His people. It was this covenant promise that He would preserve them and through them provide a Redeemer. So in accordance with His Word, He returned His people from exile. That's the big picture of the Old Testament. Okay, But now the near-term picture for Zechariah. The first exiles taken from Judah into Babylon were returned in the year 538. It was actually prophesied by the Lord through the prophet Isaiah that Cyrus would send the people back 200 years before it would happen. And in fulfillment of the prophecy in 538, the first group of exiles came back. In the first two years of their return, they started out well. They they rebuilt the altar so that sacrifices could return. They rebuilt the foundation of the temple. But then they became distracted. Discouraged. And the work stalled. For 16 years, nothing happened when the rebuilding of the temple. And it was during this time of stagnation and discouragement from God's people that He sent His prophets, two of them, Haggai and Zechariah, in the year 520. Haggai was sent to encourage the people to rebuild the temple. Zechariah was sent into this setting of discouragement with a different message. See if the context, the near-term context in Jerusalem bears any resemblance to our context today. The people whom Zechariah was sent to were discouraged broadly for three reasons. Number one, they were struggling financially. They were suffering under the excessive taxation of the Persian government. And they were also trying to recover from recent drought that had destroyed their economy. Second, they were frustrated politically. 
the Persian Empire had, had come and, and, and taken over the Babylonians. Cyrus was a Persian, but now in 520, the Persians were on their third king. And these three kings had gone about a series of military campaigns trying to advance their kingdom. The people were frustrated with this turnover and this military conquest. And thirdly, they were divided socially. It was a story of the haves and the have-nots. Many of the people of Judah decided not to return from Babylon because they had found financial prosperity there. And those who did return found themselves wrestling with property rights with those who had not been sent into exile. Financial struggles, political frustrations, and social division. And it was into that setting that God sent Haggai and Zechariah. And as we said, Zechariah comes with a different message than Haggai. With all that I've described from this setting, from their struggles, their discouragements, what do you think the people needed most to hear? What do you think we need to hear most? God sent Zechariah with a twofold message. The twofold message was first a message of spiritual renewal. The spiritual renewal of God's covenant people, and second, for the establishment of the kingdom of God. And that twofold message could be summed up in one word, one call return. Return. The fathers had failed to heed this call and now the Lord is sending it to a new generation. It's the call to return. And with it, the promise of a future. Zechariah's focus was not the rebuilding of the temple, but rather the renewal of their hearts. And so we hear. We hear return. And we hear another word in this text. Repentance. Renewal. Repentance. Or return. Repent. They're actually the same word in the Hebrew. They're the same word in the Hebrew, but they are translated differently by the translators within this text. I believe they do that because the word repentance speaks to the behavioral impact of returning, but returning is the relational heart of repentance. The behavioral impact of returning and the relational heart of repentance. These two words, return and repent, are two sides of the same coin. And, And maybe that's the point that we most need to hear this morning. That repentance is primarily a relational move back to the Lord. After this long history of disobedience, this long history of idolatry that is just this constant drumbeat of the Old Testament, we get to these prophets, and what do we expect to hear? What would we think would be the most appropriate to hear? We might think that God would be saying, return to obedience, return to the law. But no. What does He say? 
He says, return to Me. Return to Me, the Lord. Now there is no doubt that this returning to the Lord has behavioral implications, but first and foremost, repentance is a relational call to restoration of union. Of union with our God. Remember the first question I asked? Is is God playing chicken here? Did you wrestle with that question yourself when you read this text or you heard it read? And chicken were wondering who's going to make the first move and demanding that the other person make the first move. Afraid that we might have to. But remember the setting. Remember the setting that Zechariah is speaking into. God never left. He's calling His people to return, but He never left. And in fact, He is the one who returned His people to Jerusalem. As He had spoken through the prophet Isaiah 200 years before it happened, He called His shot. God is the first mover. And in calling them and us to return, He's inviting calling for renewal in Christ and establishment of His kingdom. Where is your heart right now? Where is your heart this week? Are you feeling distant from the Lord? Are you feeling distracted with the news of turmoil in our land? Are you weary of the onslaught of bad news? Whether it be a pandemic or another form of pandemic in terms of racial injustice. Many of us come this morning feeling distanced and distracted, wondering where to turn. Like the people of Jerusalem were disillusioned. For them, it was the economy, it's politics, there's social inequality. Again, does any of it sound familiar to you? And like them, in that setting of disillusionment, we are tempted to just say renewal is not worth it. And so I'm going to settle for doing my own thing. With Spiritual frustration, our hearts are tempted to go after other pursuits, but into that setting, into our hearts, God speaks this word that renewal begins with relational returning. He said it to them, He says it to us return to me. This, this relational returning is the foundation of renewal. And that renewal is then the foundation for the establishment of the kingdom. So as we consider our own moment today, June 7th, the United States and Alabama and Birmingham and Trustful, what do we do? How do we consider this place where God has us? How do we consider this current moment of economic, political, and social 
unrest. And let us not forget, let us never forget that these factors come together and are exposed in terms of racial inequality and racial unrest. That's right, once again, the undertones of racial injustice have been uncovered in our nation. George Floyd's death was yet another reminder of the racism that exists in our country. And think about it, with hearts that are divided from the Creator, how do we see others who are different? When our hearts are divided from the God in whose image we are created, we don't see other people as co-image bearers. We see them who are different as lesser. With hearts that are distanced from our Creator, the right calls for justice devolve into riots. And those whom we see as different now become our enemy. How have you responded? How have you responded this week? Some of us here are likely guilty of racism. Some of us are guilty of making quick judgments on others. Some of us are guilty of being apathetic to it all. Collectively, our nation is in a state of unrest. And in that state of unrest, many will try and offer specific actions in response. And some of them will be helpful. But the text leads us to what is most needful. Returning hearts. Repentant hearts. It's the foundation for spiritual renewal and kingdom advancement that we find in this book. And so today, at Christ Church, let us respond to this call by looking inward and, and returning and repenting. This was the call of the Old Testament prophet Zechariah. And it was a call that presupposes judgment. Yet the fathers failed to heed this call. They failed to return, maybe because they denied the reality of judgment. We hear judgment and it affirms something deep in our consciousness that that's simply an angry Old Testament word. From an angry Old Testament God. We don't like the God of judgment, so we lay aside the call to repent. But when we do so, when we relegate this word to a vision of an angry Old Testament God, we miss the fullness of this God. Yes, the text tells us that the prophetic word overtook the fathers because they failed to heed this call. But in the fullness of time, the prophetic word became the incarnate word. Jesus Christ. And in both Matthew and in Mark, as Jesus would, would inaugurate His public ministry, He did so with this call to repent. To return. For the kingdom of God is at hand. But the Word incarnate, more than merely speaking this word of repentance and return, He completed this word. He completed it by bearing 
the judgment of God on Himself for us. Again, God is not playing a game of chicken. He moved first. We must see this relational call to return, this relational call to repent in light of the Savior who paved the way for reconciliation. So why do we continue to resist? Images often shape the narrative. They most certainly have, over the past few weeks, images resulting in behaviors. We've seen it with the image burned into our minds of George Floyd laying on the pavement. We see it in the form of weeping protesters and we see it in the form of rioting mobs. The images can shape the narrative, but the same can also be true for the word repentance. Repent. Once upon a time, I took part in a preaching ministry in New England, and it was a ministry that did much good work preaching the Word of God in a dry and weary land. The work was good, but oftentimes they had an image that was unhelpful because you see, as they would promote this ministry on their website, there were a couple of images that alternated of two angry preachers pointing out at the congregation half-jokingly, I called it the bony finger of conviction. But I called it that because I knew that image. That image was one I didn't like. That image was one that I associated with the word repent. Is that your image of the word repent? The bony finger of conviction? If so, might I offer a more biblical image. It's the image of the father and the story of the prodigal son. Many of you know this story. The prodigal son demanded his inheritance from the father, ran off to a foreign land, treating his father as if he were dead, squandered the money on sinful living, and eventually hit rock bottom. But at the bottom, the prodigal son humbled himself. He picked himself up. He returned to the father, but in returning to the father, he fully expected to be relegated to the status of a servant. We hear that story that Jesus tells us and we expect the bony finger of conviction. We expect the Father to meet this Son shouting at Him to repent, calling Him out for all that He had done wrong. That is what we expect. But Luke 15, beginning in verse 20, Jesus tells us the reality. And He, the Son, arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. 
and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to celebrate. Is your image of the word repentance the bony finger of conviction or is it the Father? Running with open arms to meet the Son who's coming to the Father. Friends, Zechariah preached spiritual renewal and kingdom establishment to a people who were discouraged by their context and he preaches the same to us. It is a message of renewal that is laid on the foundational call to return. Let us heed this call. Christ Church, let us heed this call and return to the Father through the Son by the power of the Spirit. Would you bow with me? Father, restore in us a right vision of Your covenant promises of Your call to return. Give us hearts which will heed this call. Conquer our hearts so that we will. Do this we pray in the name of Christ. Amen.